Good morning, everyone. It's good to be here with you this morning. Pastor Eddie was talking about kids camp and if you really wanna watch people worship, I know we did some good worship this morning, but when this room was filled with almost 1,100 kids worshiping and dancing and just singing at the top of their lungs, it's, it's inspiring. It reminds you just of that childlike innocence, just to put it all out there before God. And they did, and it was such a tremendous week. And we had student camp the week before that in family ministries, and then a week of kids camp, a week off, and then we're into desperation. So yeah, we got to feel. But we, this is a, this is a very full season for us. This is a full time in the, in our calendar for family ministries. And we appreciate your prayers, but speaking of time this morning, I, I want to talk about time and, and then even just think about how often we say it's time for so the adults in the room, you know, we say it's time to pay the bills. It's time to go to work. It's time to do the laundry. It's time to do the dishes. It's time to drive carpool. It's time to get our annual physical. It's time to change the batteries in our smoke detectors. It's time to change the filter in our refrigerator. There's so many things that it's time for. And if you're a kid in this room, you hear it's time to go to bed. It's time to brush your teeth. It's time to walk the dog. It's time to go to school. It's time to do your homework. It's time to eat your dinner. It's time to take your nap. I wish somebody would tell me it's time to take my nap. <laughs> but imagine a day that doesn't have any time constraints whatsoever. Just imagine that. Doesn't that sound good? I can think of a time on vacation where, where the kids were asking, hey, what time is it? And literally, I had no idea what time it was, none. It was the most blessed moment just to think I could go to sleep when I was tired. I could wake up when I was rested. I could eat when I was hungry. There was literally no time constraint at all. We spend our time, we have all the time in the world, we waste our time, we use our time wisely, we invest in quality time, and we simply run out of time. So this morning, I, I wanna take some time to talk about time from the perspective of how God sees it and the gift that it is to us and how we're supposed to steward it as his people. And so before we jump into a few verses in the book of Ephesians, I wanna give some context for this book. See, the book of Ephesians is a letter that the apostle Paul wrote to a blossoming church in the city of Ephesus. And in this letter that he wrote, he had six chapters. The first three chapters, he's instilling in these young believers who they are in Christ. He's marking their identity, telling them they are not who the world says that they are. They are who God says that they are. And what does that mean that they are chosen and dearly loved and that they will be identified by things of Christ? And, and so he spends the first three chapters instilling in them a, a very secure identity. And then as he gets into chapters four and five, he is, he is commissioning the people of God to live the way that they should now that they have a new identity. The people of God who own this identity, this is the way they ought to live. 
And then in chapter six, he wraps up by saying, if you are the people of God who know who you are and behave the way that you should, then you better bet your bottom dollar that the enemy of God, Satan, will come after you, that this is a battle, this is a real war. To, to rob you of your identity and to, and to distract you from doing the things that God wants you to do. There is a battle and so he tells us to stand firm and to put on our full armor of God and to be in prayer. So this is the context of, of this book. And so we find ourselves in chapter five where he is, Apostle Paul is giving these instructions of what godly living looks like. And in the middle of Ephesians chapter five, we find these verses. It says, be very careful then, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. So this very first thing we find is that Paul is telling us to make the most of every opportunity to make the most of every opportunity. When I hear that, I think, yeah, that sounds good. That feels like a good way to live our lives, make the most of every opportunity. It almost seems like something you could put on a bumper sticker or cheer yourself on on a, on a bad day. But in the original language, there are two words that make up this phrase literally, making the most of every opportunity. It's translated literally, redeem the time. And there's something really powerful in the words that the Apostle Paul chose. And so I wanna unpack those this morning. The first one we're going to unpack is the word time, okay? So there are two words in the Greek language that could have been used here. The word chronos, which is where we get chronological or chronology. It's, it's how we map seasons and calendars. It's on your watch. It's the time on your cell phone. This is what we are familiar with. But Paul didn't use that word. He didn't use the word chronos. He used the word kairos. And kairos is a very specific opportune time. It's a seasonably ripe time. In fact, if you've ever seen a vineyard in late August or mid-September, you will see grapes plush and vibrant in color about ready to fall off the vine. This is a kairos moment for those grapes. If they aren't picked, they will rot and be destroyed. So this is an opportune moment. A woman who is nine months pregnant, this is a Kairos moment for her. She's about to give birth. This is, she's ripe. This is the moment where she is about ready to give birth to a child. So how do we know in this world whether something is just a moment or if it's an opportune, seasonably ripe Kairos special moment? We don't. And this is, this is why the wisdom of Paul tells us to redeem. So he says, redeem the time. These, this word time that he uses is the word kairos, not chronos. And then he uses this word redeem. When you and I think of redeem, we think to purchase or to buy back. But this is an extreme, exaggerated version of the word redeem. In fact, it's only used four times in the New Testament. It's such an exaggerated form of this word. And so he's telling you to exaggeratedly purchase or buy back these opportune moments or time. So if I, if I had a, a gift uh, certificate to go 
to in and out after church today. And I were to redeem that for a double-double, then that would be redeem, just the regular word redeem. Or if I had, um, if I had a gift card to Shields and I went in and, and I redeemed that for a pair of running shoes, that would be the regular word redeem. However, the word exagorazo here is the word, this exaggerated version. So that would mean that I would go into In-N-Out and I would take every single hamburger, every single cheeseburger, every single double-doubles, the fries, the shakes, the drinks, everything. Like the Grinch you stole Christmas, that last little ornament. It's everything. Or if I were to go into Shields, I wouldn't just get a pair of running shoes. I would take every sporting equipment item. I would take every clothing item. I would take everything, including the Ferris wheel home. That's exagorazo. So there's this extreme version of what we know of redemption. And by definition, to redeem is to say the payment of a price to recover from the power of another, to pay the ransom. You see, this is what God did for us in Christ Jesus. And the other, the, twice it's talked about in redeeming time, ex time, and twice in the New Testament, it's talked about ex all of our sins. It means he didn't just take and pay the price to ransom for one or two sins or just the little ones. It's he took everything with him on the cross. This is the God that we serve. But to recover it from the power of another is to redeem something. And time has a lot of power over us, doesn't it? We live in a world that makes us under the control and the power of, of Kronos. And we have anxiety over it. And one interesting fact about the word Kronos is who it's named after. So, and today, Kronos is a character in the Avengers, but to the original audience, they would have known him as the Greek god, Kronos, the ruler over time. See, this original audience was in Ephesus, and I had the privilege of going to Ephesus last spring, and we walked along the stones, the same stones that the Apostle Paul would have been at, and that the people there would have seen, and there were temples and statues for every imaginable false Greek God, but they would have known the God of Kronos. And so he doesn't use the word Kronos because God is, or Paul was appealing to what they knew and understood. And he's telling them, you don't have to live under the power and control of Kronos because there's another God. He's the God of Kairos. He's the God who will ex agarazo, who will completely take all of everything you have to offer, all of the good, the bad, the ugly, and he will redeem it into something beautiful. He can redeem your life and he wants to redeem time as well. He's, Kronos is infamously known for devouring his children at birth. Now, while that's graphic, many of us have felt devoured and destroyed by this rule of Kronos over our life, haven't we? Kronos will do this, but Paul uses the word kairos, an appointed, anointed time. So to redeem or to purchase back all of these kairos moments, we purchase all of it, declaring every single moment and breath we take as precious and holy 
and sacred and to be used by God. We assist a neighbor who needs help. We serve in kids ministry, telling young minds about the love of Jesus and teaching them the word. We listen to our children generously. We get down on their level. We look them in the eye and we listen to what they're saying. We forgive an offense. We call our parents. We pray when we feel overwhelmed and anxious. We give generously when we don't think we have enough money. We serve one another when we feel selfish. We spend God, time in God's word when we don't think we have enough time to do so. All of these acts are acts of redeeming and having eyes set on the eternal instead of just here and what we can see and feel and touch. I'll tell you, when I think about sharing resources and giving generously, I think about our kids at kids camp this week. At the beginning of the week, we, we told them about a partner that we partner with here at New Life Church in our outreach department. And it's a place in Southeast Asia. In fact, we can't even tell you exactly where it is because these people are being persecuted for their faith. But there are children there who can't go to school because you have to wear a uniform in order to go to school and they don't have the funds for that. And so we told our children about this need and we asked them if they would participate in, in going home after kids camp and mowing lawns and washing dogs and pulling weeds and, and, and doing all these things to raise money to take care of this. And kids, if you're in the audience for Kids Camp, how, many, how much money, what was the goal that I set for you? How much money? Tell me how much it was. $7,000. That's a big goal for a lot of kids. And they had four days to, to raise that money. And at the end, when we told you how much you raised, it was over, how much? Over $10,000. We, we had children in our midst who saw this Kairos moment. They saw that this was a holy and sacred moment. And instead of just going home and binging and watching TV or playing video games after a whole day of camp and being tired, they went home and chose to give of themselves generously so that they could be generous with these kids. And now there are hundreds of students in Southeast Asia who are gonna wake up sometime this week or this month and find out that they have a uniform, they can go to school and get an education and also hear about Jesus. Yeah. You see, when we give of our first fruits, to God, he can make beautiful things of them. And rather than just wasting our days on frivolous pursuits, we can have a lasting impact and we can be diligent about doing good. So not only are we to make the most of every opportunity to redeem that time, we're to be careful in our devotion. Be careful in your devotion, Paul tells us. He says to Titus, this, the saying is trustworthy and I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. The kids at kids camp have seen this. It's excellent, it's profitable for these friends that they've never even met around the world. Be careful in your devotion. 
This is the second time that Paul is saying, be careful. Why? Be careful because without even knowing it, we can just sort of conform to the way of the world. We can just start doing things with our time and our money and our resources without even thinking about it. So he tells us to be careful. And if I were to ask you today, what are you devoted to? What are you devoted to? Better yet, instead of asking you, what if I asked someone who was close to you, a spouse or children, a colleague or a roommate, if I said, what is this person devoted to? Would they say this? Well, this person is devoted to the game of golf or the gym or to work. This person is devoted to gaming or social media. Or if I asked someone who's close to you and they said, She's devoted to the word of God. I see her in it. I see her running to it when she needs wisdom or encouragement. He's devoted to prayer. He's devoted to his family, his marriage. She's devoted to her friends and her neighbors who don't know Jesus. Are these the kinds of things that would be said about you? How are you using your time? Paul calls us to be devoted and to be careful in what we're devoted to. You see, we can spend our days or we can invest our hours. If I spend something, I give it all away and there's nothing left to show for it. If I invest, then I'm investing in something that will reap a harvest or give dividends for years, decades, generations to come. If we merely spend, we're not being careful in our devotion. We need to change the way that we think about time. We, we need to give God our first fruits this week and this month and not just the leftovers because this is how we're wise in an evil world. To not do so, scripture tells us, is to be foolish. If you find yourself with so much abundant time to be on social media or to be watching TV or to um, be using your mind on gaming, all those things can be pleasant in, in small doses. But we've also known for a fact, we have research that proves that doing those things causes anxiety and depression and isolation. We also know there is research that proves that if you get up and serve, if you invest your life in the, in the life of another, that that has a measurable decrease in your anxiety, your depression and isolation. So the things that God is telling us to do are good for us. They're not only good for other people, they're good for us. We'd be wise to listen to that. Not only are we told to redeem the time and make the most of every opportunity and, and to be careful in what we're devoted to. He also, um, God's words also tell us to seek and you will find. Proverbs 2 is, is written from Solomon to his son and he says, my son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, then making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as a hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and you will find knowledge. This idea of seeking and finding is repetitive throughout scripture. And I think so often we live in a blur of the chronos that's around us because we're not seeking. 
And one of the best ways to redeem time is to seek God. In fact, before we even get up in the morning, while we're still in bed, we can commit our days to the Lord, asking for him to allow us to participate in something that has eternal significance. And with this kind of eternity in mind, then we're gonna be more aware of the spiritual nudges that the Holy Spirit is giving us to encounter those things and to participate in those things instead of just wasting our days and our times. I like to sometimes imagine that while I'm in bed, that there's a script from God being delivered to the foot of my bed. And that he's asking certain things of me to play my part that he's written for me. Again, my life is not my own. It's been bought with a price. So it's the life that I now live. I live through the power of God who loved me and gave his life for me. And so sometimes I have to confess while I'm, while I'm sitting there and I, and I see the script that was written for me that day, I might think to myself, yeah, it's, it's kind of a puny part, you know? So-and-so has such a better part and they have better lines to play. And I, I feel tempted to take out a pen and start writing, you know, really clever things for me to say and really clever things for me to do. And all the while I'm missing what God has for me that day. I'm missing the Kairos opportunities that he's placing right in front of me because I'm so focused on myself. And then there's other times where I pick up this script and I see a trial that's ahead of me that day, or I see, I see tribulation for me or someone I love. And I, I wanna pull out that eraser and just erase those things because certainly these painful parts can't be a part of God's will for me except if I can imagine a God who is the God of exagorazo. If I can imagine a God who can take everything, literally everything that's burdening my heart, burdening your heart, that is broken, that has not seemed from your perspective to be redeemed. If I can imagine that God, then I can take my script and I can play it as written. This is how we participate in the redemption of, of our God who, who loves us and gave his life for us. When, when we start to have this perspective, when we take analysis of our own life, when we come before the holy God and we say, God, you've given me 24 hours to live this day. How would you like to use them? God, you've given me 24 hours that I will be accountable for. How can you redeem them? And maybe there's some of you today who are thinking, boy, what you're saying is true, but I've, I've blown it. I, I haven't participated in these types of things. I've wasted years, decades. All of us, all of us have these conviction moments and, and God is so good because he says to us in his word, if we confess our sin, that he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so we can come to him and we can say, Lord, I haven't been a good steward of the time you've given me, but today will you help me take an assessment of my heart, my mind, my soul, my resources, my gifts, and help me to steward them in such a way that will bring you glory and that will be for good profit and excellence for others. 
The way we do this is by fixing our eyes on Jesus. We don't fix our eyes on the ruler of this world, which is Kronos. We fix our eyes on Jesus. And one of the verses that our kids learned this week, and kids, I'd love for you to say it with me, is that we fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Men and women, this morning, as, as we think about our time, let's think about it in light of Jesus, who gave his life for us, who has who has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He fixed his eyes on the eternal things, not on the pain and suffering of this world. And he invites us into that. He invites us in to fix our eyes on Jesus. And so I'm just gonna ask you to, to close your eyes right now and just to see his face. See his grace that's pouring over you right now for the lost moments for the words unspoken, for the words spoken that were harsh or ugly. Just imagine your savior and with arms of exagorazo taking absolutely all of it and putting it on the cross. And I want you to imagine your life now as his. How does he wanna use it? You may feel like it's a feeble offering, but in his grace and his goodness, he can make small things mighty. Just give that to him today. And Lord, we pray as we fix our eyes on you, the pioneer, the one who began our faith journey with us, the perfecter, the one who will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. We trust you with every minute, with every hour, with every day, month and year that we will walk and step with you to bring you glory and to build your kingdom until the day you come again to receive us unto yourself. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Well, church, will you stand with me as we continue in a posture of worship this morning?